Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Don't forget that you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org if you want to find a written version that has links to all these stories we're about to discuss. Let's go to our first one of the week, Intersecting Pandemics Explored. Glide shared some of the similarities with respect to inequities in the HIV, COVID-19, and monkeypox pandemics, or as it's known now, MPOX. According to their recent report, LGBT people, especially those of color, have been hit really hard by all of these conditions, in part because of factors like medical mistrust, underlying vulnerabilities regarding social determinants of health, and challenges in accessing appropriate prevention and care. The report also explores some of the shortcomings in the MPOX vaccine rollout, which, like access to PrEP and other HIV prevention, as well as vaccines for COVID-19, has obviously been really critical in reducing cases. But many people had trouble accessing the MPOX vaccine and are also experiencing fear and anxiety in facing yet another public health crisis. Next up, intimate partner violence high for several groups. Researchers at Rutgers University shared a new study finding high levels of intimate partner violence among sexual and gender minority young people who were assigned male at birth. Among these 18 to 24-year-olds, the subgroups that were most likely to experience such violence were bisexual individuals, trans individuals, and those from lower-income backgrounds. Nearly half of all participants, or 47%, said they had experienced some form of intimate partner violence, and psychological uh, was the most common among the forms, with the others being sexual and physical. Now our next story, chest reconstruction remains underinsured and costly. JAMA Pediatrics published a study finding that gender-affirming chest reconstruction among youth increased from 100 surgeries in a nationwide database in 2016 to 489 surgeries in 2019, which is almost a five times increase during that period. About 6 in 10 of the young people who received the surgery had insurance coverage for the procedure, with the average total charge being nearly $30,000. And these statistics remained uh, stable throughout the study period, meaning that there wasn't any noticeable increase in insurance coverage or increase or decrease in cost during that time. White youth comprised nearly four out of five of those who were able to access the procedure, which to me suggests that this may be something due to the costs and the barriers that's hard for youth of color to access compared to their white peers. Our next story looks at HIV and gender-affirming care. Pink News shared that the World Health Organization has published a report reaffirming the importance of gender-affirming care as part of a broader approach to addressing HIV and STI disparities among trans populations. The report examines the progression over the years in which the WHO and other public health entities have increasingly acknowledged the importance of this type of care, as well as the relationship between trans health inequities and structural barriers, such as human rights issues. 
The report notes that universal health care must be inclusive and that countries should make appropriate policy changes to remove barriers uh, that trans people face in accessing care. And the idea here is really that all of these types of care are interrelated. So even though this, this division of the WHO is focused on HIV and STI issues, they're looking at the broader array of trans health needs and uh, having many of these needs unmet and many of the social determinants of health issues that are facing trans populations around the world makes it really hard for them to focus on HIV prevention and care as well. Next up, menthol cigarettes preferred by diverse smokers. Researchers with Columbia University published a report finding that more than half of gay and lesbian smokers used menthol-flavored products. Menthol use has grown overall throughout the past decade, with about two in five smokers now using the flavor. This includes over 80% of black smokers, as well as a disproportionate rate of Latinx smokers, making menthol cigarettes a potential obstacle in improving health equity. Countries such as Canada and the United Kingdom have already banned menthol cigarettes, and the U.S. has begun to take action that could result in the same outcome, although it would be quite a while before such a regulation could come into effect. And now our next story, exploring cancer care for trans patients. Cancer Therapy Advisor reported on how to improve cancer prevention and care for trans individuals. The article notes that evidence on cancer outcomes for trans patients is limited, but includes that trans individuals may be diagnosed at more advanced stages, may be less likely to get treated, and could have worse survival rates compared to cisgender peers. This is likely due to a mix of social determinants of health and some factors that providers can directly counter, such as ensuring that trans people do not face stigma or discrimination when they come in for health care, and making sure that providers are knowledgeable about trans identities and needs. Now our next story, Intersex Awareness Day Observed. Interact marked October 26th as Intersex Awareness Day in recognition of the first public demonstration for intersex individuals' rights that took place on that day in 1996. Resources include a glossary of key terms related to intersex identities, a list of actions that people can take to support the intersex community, and a toolkit with graphics that can be shared online to educate others about intersex individuals and their identities all year round. And our next story looks at views of trans acceptance from Oregon to Tennessee. Transgender Health published a study exploring the opinions of gender minorities in the states of Oregon, Michigan, Nebraska, and Tennessee, and found that Oregonians had the most positive perception of their state with respect to their trans or gender diverse identities. While Tennessee participants had the highest expectation of being rejected by others based on their gender identity, many other variables like pride, resilience, and mental health did not vary by state. However, those who had a more negative view of their local area were unsurprisingly more likely to have experienced discrimination and anxiety. The study also found that resilience did not seem to reduce the correlation between perceived local environment and mental health issues or pride in one's identity. Next up, youth fairly confident on transitioning care. Transgender Health also published research exploring the readiness of trans youth to move from pediatric to adult healthcare providers. 
The study included 29 youth, 26 parents, and five providers, and found that youth all reported being about as ready for this change regardless of their exact age. They also rated their own competence in several areas better than did uh, their parents or providers. These included things like knowledge of hormone therapy side effects. The topics in which the participants most reported youth needing assistance and support was with respect to scheduling appointments and maintaining health information records, which are two things that frankly are a little bit, uh, at least for me as an adult, on the bottom of my to-do list or things that I neglect to do on a regular basis. So understandable results there. Next up, youth care fight continues in Arkansas. Speaking of gender-affirming care for youth, Time reported on the trial over Arkansas's ban on gender-affirming therapy for minors. The two-week-long trial took place in a federal court in Arkansas, and that was brought by four families and two doctors who say that the law violates both the equal protection and free speech rights offered by the Constitution. The state argues that the law seeks to protect children. This is despite the fact that major medical associations all aligned to contest this argument in the case. Arkansas was the first state to pass such a law, but similar legislation has now been introduced in more than 20 state legislatures, meaning that the result of this case could at least send a signal to other state legislatures as far as whether or not this kind of thing is going to hold water. And now our last story, challenges for queer folks in medicine. Helio explored what it's like for physicians who are part of the LGBT community through a blog post by a physician who identifies as lesbian and is in a same-sex relationship. She discusses both the acceptance and challenges she faced as a resident and as a patient herself in the South in the 1990s, and the reasons why LGBT people still struggle to receive quality care. That wraps up another edition of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. Don't forget that you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org if you want to find a written version and check out any of these stories for yourselves. And I hope that you'll tune in next time for another edition of the Roundup.